to him, Dipper. Can Robertson... Oh, he's taking a beauty at the back. Well, here's a chance as Whelan kicks it to the top of the goal square. Robertson! Left kick to half forward. Davey went to ground in terms of free. No. Robertson with the snap. Bouncing. Oh! Bouncing. Bouncing through. Robertson has kicked the Demons into the final. All right, Simo, well, I'm so excited, and I know you are as well, to have our next special guest on the show. He played 228 games for the Ds, kicked 428 goals, was the high flyer, but I think he might still be reveling that he lost a wheat big eating competition to James Frawley a few years ago as well, too. But uh, Russell Robinson, demon legend, mate, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm really good, you know, like most demon supporters at the moment, really happy. Um being a Melbourne person about town, everywhere I go, I get stopped and asked the same thing. You know, um, how about them demons? Robbo, he must be so happy. Are you still partying? You know, it's it's better than, geez, the demons suck, Robbo. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh. Which have popped over the last 10 years. So it's it's brilliant. Yeah, unreal, mate. And we'll, we're talking premierships. Where, where were you, mate? Where were you to celebrate the big day? Yeah. Look, I live in a um, a house that's connected to two others and uh, our neighbours, it's basically a, the doors open like you would in an adjoining hotel. So we just we just walked next door and sat down and watched it with them and uh, they're brilliant, great friends of ours and we were just jumping around the room like crazy. And they're, they're West Coast, well, his wife's a Melbourne supporter and he's a West Coast Eagles supporter and he was jumping around the room as well, loving every minute of it. So he was so happy. For the days, I remember, was it 2016 the Bulldogs won a premiership? Yeah. I was so happy for them. Yeah, it just it looked great. Their colours looked great up there, and their their club, you know, the pain and the, their supporters. And I dreamt what it would be like for ours, and dream no more. It was amazing. Our colours just looked so good on that party, didn't they? Absolutely. Uh, Betty was going absolutely everywhere. But oh, yeah. mate, take us through the game. Like it's. Yeah, in my lifetime, twenty-seven years. Like to to think that now that I've seen a grand final in the flesh, or not in the flesh, but in front of me, so like the way we did it, mate. It was oh, especially in the second half. Like who would have thought? Yeah, and you know, I think we've 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 all replayed the game a few times over, and we've tried to uh, understand how that turnaround happened. And when I mean, there was two turnarounds, wasn't there? There was the the start that we had, and we all felt. You know, well, this is the demons where we're at at the moment. And then that old ideology crept in again. Well, we're going to lose it in the big stage once more. It's the, the curse of Norm Smith that's coming. And, um, you know, they were able to, and look, I spoke to Ooze about this, um, Adam Ooze, who's obviously the midfield coach about this. And we had a bit of a catch-up walk um, down in Elwood the other day. Um and, and we talked about what was it? You know, what did you say to him? And he said, he didn't say anything really. I mean, we obviously went covered off, you know, what we what we need to cover off or we always cover off stats and, you know, who needs to do what and who needs to go where. And then really it was just the rah-rah. And I think we, I saw some footage of Simon Goodwin talking about, you know, we've been here before and, and um, uh, let's go. And they went out and um, – they weathered a couple more, didn't they? And 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 it was the big guys in the middle, I think, that um, have now immortalised themselves a little bit more. They weren't already by being a premiership player uh, for the Melbourne Football Club. They 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 grabbed it, they scrapped it, they took it on, and and 
bang, 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 wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. How were you? How were you feeling at halftime? Was there sort of any? Oh, obviously, well, for me, there was probably more nerves halfway through the third. But I suppose when did you know when it was when we knew we were going to be a Premiership team? Yeah, I think um, I was really settled towards the end of the, the third quarter, ten minutes into the last. It's game over. You know, it's we've got it. I can't. And then it was the rest of the quarter trying to understand this feeling of as a Melbourne supporter and um, also coming to terms with as a past player not being there not being out on the ground and not giving this bliss to the supporters so that's a hard thing to cop guys it really is I must must admit you know I, I look at um, the team that they've put together I look at the coaching staff and I look at the club now and go wow it's um it's a dream. It really is a, a really well set up club. Um, and, and I marvel at how it was all put together. And, and, and I think I've spoken about this before and it started when, you know, Jackson comes in and, and uh, gets bruised and, and then this domino effect and supporters and their, the money that they've given to the club to be able to keep us viable. You know, yes, there's concessions that were given to us along the way, but there was nothing you know, 20, 30 years ago that this club was given, you know, we had to fight and behind the eight ball all the time. And I won't go into all that sort of stuff, but now we have this really great setup, great club that is respected and is a destination club uh, for the rest of the league. So it's a long winded answer, but, you know, you sort of look at the third quarter and go, what a phenomenal performance by some really good footballers. They did what they and do and the best thing about it is is that this could go on for a long time yeah we're definitely i think we're definitely set up for a, a little bit of sustained success and yeah i think as as you mentioned before like one of those bittersweet things that and we've touched on it a bit in the last few weeks as well has been not being able to attend the finals mm-hmm. and, and being able to see it in the flesh and that can be probably a little bit selfish to say you know i'm still happy to see to see one and whatever happens happens from there but moving forward you've obviously spent a lot of time at the Melbourne Football Club, Robo, from your playing days, you've been been in there and then in professional capacity as well for the best part of 25 years. You think back to when you first walked <laughs> in the doors of the club and you had, you know, site sheds as part of your training facilities there. Even five years ago, mate, I remember running into you. We went to a match day function at the end of 2017. I'm sure you remember this game as bloody Dees Collingwood and we had to win round 22 to make the finals. And Collingwood had nothing to play for and we ended up falling over. And I just think... We'd obviously been through some shit times, and even yourself, you, you saw you saw everything as a player. But the journey that you must have seen from being a player to still being a part of the club now must be yeah. pretty phenomenal to think that we we finally achieved the uh, premiership glory. Oh yeah, and and look, it's not just me; it's all of us past players. It's every single one of us. And I I uh, caught up with Jimmy Plunker today, who works for the club. Um, he's been working for the club for the last probably. <laughs> seven years or so um he obviously came in under the uh he'd been doing a lot of stuff um in terms of um goal setting and and headspace stuff and and he's been brilliant for our our club uh, leading teams was his thing before he came to the Melbourne football club and um and we talked about this uh, and we talked about the past players and how amazing they've been in terms of staying together and coming together and checking in and uh supporting the club um i don't know if you know that the past players were afforded the opportunity to send a video to the 
to the uh, larger group over there in Perth uh, on the eve of the of the game, and they put together a montage. And I I hate to think how many past players put together a, a video. And I sent mine through, you know, forty seconds or something like that, just a, a message of support to say, you know, we're with you. You know, um, we love what you're doing. We wish we could be there. Know that we're all back here cheering. All that sort of stuff. And that's that's just unbelievable. That's on the back of them. We're given that opportunity because Simon Goodwin believes in the um, the value of past players because he is one from Adelaide. He won premierships and he understands that. And I don't think a lot of clubs in the past had. Maybe they're getting it now, but I certainly know. Jimmy Blunkett says uh, Bulldogs Carlton. That was where he played. He said it's unbelievable. They had premierships Carlton. They don't catch up like we catch up. They had this amazing, you know, success. Obviously, not the Bulldogs, but you know, they none of them do it like we do, and and I'm proud of that. And that's that's Rod Grinter, and it's um, a, a very energised past players group. Look, it's not about the past players. It's about for me, this premiership is about the supporters. You know, it's not about Christian Park. It's not about Max Bourne. They are the ones that have delivered this with their amazing talent. Um, Come together, this magical group that have clicked and 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 you know they're up against really good teams, but they're better than them. And uh, it's about the supporters who have, like you guys, understand, have rolled into work for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever years. <laughs> you know, there's been some good years in, in that as well. And you guys were around when I was rolling around in the early 2000s and before that, and we had a really good team. Under Neil Danaher, there would have been some boasting going on then. But now, now, far out. It, the supporters must just be rolling up to those tattoo shops at the moment if they can and just getting that tat on the ankle or on the <laughs> part of their body with just absolute joy in their hearts. We are just discussing that before you, before you jumped on. We were just discussing that as well, trying to finalise designs because, uh, yeah, as you know, still waiting for them to open up here in Victoria. But... Um, yeah, no, no, definitely. It's definitely something that's on the list to do as soon as uh, yeah. as soon as yeah. the gates open up. I'm proud of our supporters. I really am. I'm proud of our boys, of course, but I'm really proud of our supporters. It's hard for me to, to not come off sounding like it's just, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, PC, you know, because yeah. I've worked for the club and because I've, I've been out on the ground and I've kept you going through those years <laughs> we've been flogged them. And yeah. I'm out what a time. No, oh, we're 12 goals down up to <laughs> the old, well, the old Haynes Payne taking second. Yeah. yeah. Heroes or Howie's Hangers or whatever yeah. it is. That's some fun, you know. <laughs> I want to keep you all up and about because I understand football and I understand um, how it works uh, at the top level. It's bloody hard and there's a fine line, you know. It's not like you're the most miserable, terrible club. It's a fine line. And we're on the right side of the fine line now and, and these supporters stuck by it and they're not wankers. They're not loud idiots like you go to a Richmond game and it's almost <laughs> oppressive. You know, what Collingwood supporters like Port Adelaide, the worst in the league. West <laughs> was parochial, arrogant, like they had their own country. You know, our supporters, you know, so call us the toffees and call us, they're not all toffees for God's sake. Yes, we've got the MCC members and they're obviously you know, wealthy and good on them, you know. Um, but we've got these supporters that continue to support and 
smile amongst the shit that they were given. Just that, you know, that, oh, yeah, you give it to me. Like, I'm a Tasmanian and I cop it all the time. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> two heads, whatever. <laughs> it, it's funny. But we've, we've learned to just, you know, that's part of our narrative, our life. And I think with this success has come a real humbleness. Mm. And the way I re- every day I read this and I see something and I'm just like, wow, our supporters are just, they're just so cool. Yeah, no, definitely. And I suppose one of those things that, yeah, with with everything going on and just trying to embrace the moment, especially in the week following uh, the win, it was it was more so just really enjoying the incidental conversations. I was, you know, going, I was on school holidays, so going for walks with my nine-month-year-old daughter, decking her out in, in demon's gear and just, uh, you know, walking around the lake and just having people, whether they're D supporters or not, just congratulating you. And those are the things, as you said, I think there's a lot of mutual supporters that are really happy for D supporters, but it was also just great to see Melbourne colours um, out and about, even even the lead up to the houses and stuff that were sort of decorated and had a few things going around. But just thinking back to when I was a kid and, you know, I probably only had one or two kids in my primary school of 300 that wore a Melbourne jumper. It was never, it was never the popular team. It was, you know, and then now, as you mentioned, like they're all they're all coming out, and it's it's great to see, and it's um it's a, it's an amazing feeling, and and whilst yeah, whilst we weren't there to inquire celebrate, we're still finding other avenues to to try and connect with other supporters, and as you said, online has been massive, and it's there's such a huge community now, and there's been a great community spirit. I mean, the people sending badges over from the prelim yeah. to the grand finals. I mean, how awesome is that? Like, you know, dedicated people. It's um it's an amazing community feel. I think. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I've really enjoyed this is my dog, sorry. <laughs> this is Ringo. Um, Ringo. He um he he's had his balls cut off two days ago, so he's oh. <laughs> well, <not laughs> no. you'll be right, mate. Girls will still love you. Um <laughs> you know, I think um the the like I said, the humbleness gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. And and I think we understand that more than anybody that in this world, you know, we all understand that this world is so, you know, unstable at the moment. And we are also at the Melbourne Football Club and we know that, you know, success is uh, just not a given. It can be taken away anytime. So we're very lax to say that the next three or four years is going to be, you know, special. Um, We don't know that. And I don't see a lot of arrogant uh, diatribe on Facebook or Instagram or even our website you know, that I've seen from other clubs. Like, I mean, that Port Adelaide letter, no Melbourne supporter would ever write a letter like that. I don't know if you've seen it. This person uh, wrote a letter to the Melbourne Football Club, I think, and just floating saying, we're going to win this prelim and, and be over there in Perth and feel sorry for the Melbourne Football Club or something <laughs> like that. It was just terrible. Was that the one to Maxi Gorn? Is that the one addressed yeah, to Maxi? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I read a bit of it and I was like, I'm not going to waste any no. more seconds my life on this crap. No. <laughs> Melbourne supporter do that. And I'm waxing lyrical about Melbourne supporters because I am one and I played for this club, gave me all the opportunities in life. But my word, I take a, a, a sort of measured look at it. I really do because I was a Carlton supporter, guys. I'm sorry to say this is a terrible fact that, um, you know, there's reasons for it. Family, you know, usually leads you into it. But then it's the day I got drafted, Carlton were the enemy. I hated them. They were evil, and Melbourne was just it and a bit. So, um, yeah, they're just—it's—it's it's wonderful to be a part of this larger Melbourne Football Club supporter group at all the levels, not just the you know just the general members. I'm talking the ones that 
donate millions. So no, we're pretty lucky. Love that. And you, you talk about in the lead up to, you know, a pretty big day in your life, the 2000 grand final, I mean, obviously huge, you know, time of your life to, to, to be able to become a part of it. And, you know, we, we, we talk about all the connectiveness across the club and, you know, what you guys are really starting to do. Can you talk us a little bit more about the bond you guys share and why is it so strong? Because we believed, we believed in every fibre of our soul that we were good, that we were the centre of the universe, that we could have won a premiership. And I know everybody else who doesn't support Melbourne or, or is even a supporter of Melbourne wouldn't think that because we didn't win one. You know, we were least easily rolled sometimes and we'd lost in the big games when we should have won. But we believed that we would win this premiership and bring those long-suffering supporters joy um, ultimately, you know, we didn't get it. Um, we we came close. There were some reasons that I believe deep in my soul that uh, we didn't get it. And had things been a little bit different, we would have. Uh, but we weren't set up then. We weren't. Poor Neil Danaher made himself sick. And I don't mean the sickness that he's got now, but he made himself sick in those years doing everything at this club where things should have been done for him. Now, I'm not going to go on about that because... That's life and that's timing and that's the way it goes. Um, the timing is, has worked out beautifully um, now for these these these, these boys. Um, I, th- I think, you know, also Neil played a big role in that. He, he just made us believe. He made us feel like we were great. And that's why we love him so much. Um, and we also understood that this, this culture that we were trying to build at the time with Neil of love for others, which Simon Goodwin and Paul Ruse certainly had brought back. I don't know about the guys. Yeah. In- yeah. And, and, and I don't know, you know, there was some disruptive years that sort of hurt that a little bit. But what um, what Simon Goodwin's been able to, to create at that club is nothing short of a miracle. It's brilliant. It's just wonderful to see this, this idea that you can go out there and be you. You can go out there and do you, be you and play and love what you're doing. That, that's, if I was, that was coached to me. Wow. You know, that, that idea in football, that wasn't around 20 years ago. It is now. And it's great. It's a great place to be, football clubs, I think. Um, yeah. So I look, I'm really proud of our past play group and the way we were sort of setting the standard to not only just connect, but also help each other because there's some guys that have gone through some tough times and and I know that if I go through a tough time that they will come running to my aid and that's it that's cool yeah well that that goes to our next question and thing to go through is the Robo Live like I've loved listening to those and even uh, the most recent one with Ooze how you spoke about the Gary Lyon uh, pre-season training I thought that was absolute pisser um I suppose, I mean, that probably be up there with one of the most enjoyable conversations. But, you know, you've had players like Jack Watts and Farmer and Swartz and everything. But, you know, where'd that idea come from? Is that a part of the past players? Or Okay, yeah, so here's what happened. I uh, In lockdown, the club obviously went into, you know, we don't know what we're doing. So, um, you know, there might be a regular role here for the time being. And so I sort of was living the cushy life. I actually was... Living the dream, if I can be honest, um, at the time, playing music, working at the club, 
just selling me to tell you this story here. Um, and um, it sort of all got back away. And it wasn't expectations to me, but I certainly sat back and got bored real quick. Um, my my wife is a uh, a hairdresser, and she has her own salon, and she had nothing to do either. So I remember watching a movie called The Legend of Bag Pants, one of my favourite <laughs> great movie. Will Smith. Good movie, yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a young kid, and his father, when the recession hit, had nothing. But what he decided to do was sell up everything and um, you know pay off all the people that he owed, and went to work just sweeping the streets. Now I've always loved that ideal because I think it's really Australian. It's really sort of centering. And so uh, Priscilla, my wife, said, um, you know, my, my girlfriend, her husband, is a, he's a plumber and he works for his, you know, brother-in-law. And they're busy and they need help. Do you want to go and do it? And I said, you know what, let's pick up a broom and sweep the streets, you know. So I picked up a shovel for the last year and a half. And I have worked my ass off there. It's harder, <laughs> harder than any preseason I've ever done. Um, it was it was good because it was really centering for me, you know. It, it it taught me a few different skills, but I was living the dream, you know, just chilling out all day, sipping lattes, playing music with Phil Sobrano and the mates, and going to the MCG every Saturday. What a reality check! I mean, I don't that that the stories we we talk about on Robo Live um, have been brilliant for me because it's taking me back to a wonderful time. And the reason why I decided to do Robo Love is because we, we, um, renovated the house, uh, in Sandringham and the fella's house who I renovated, um, is a tech genius guru. Like oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not talking just a nerd. He is unbelievable, globally acclaimed, right? So he's been headhunted. He's worked in Boston, London, Anyway, it's got all this groovy stuff at his house. So slowly, slowly, we put this house together. Um, and and what his study is this, um, like his whole house is like, you can talk to it and it'll do stuff for you. Doesn't it? <laughs> um, he set up all this stuff and he goes, Robo, you need to be doing some podcasts. Do some podcasts with me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know how to do it or whatever. And got towards the end of the build. He said, come on, let's go and do one. Um, and we sort of had some fun, just him and I talking. He said, why don't you just do Robo Live uh, at some point at the end of the season? Well, then we kicked that goal off the siren, didn't we, against Geelong? And I'm sitting there going, righto, rescuing other, unbelievable, let's drink. There's no one to drink with. <laughs> you know, let's party. You, you guys would be going down Swan Street. You'd be going to a pub. You'd be talking about it for you know, I know it was in Geelong, but it would have been at the MCG, wouldn't it? You know, you'd be just, you'd be partying and yeah. we all had to go to bed. And I just thought that, that was a tragedy. And why not use this room that my uh, mate's got? Because I've lived at his house basically for the last year and a half. Um, and I've just, after work, just um, popped in there and did a Robo Live. So I'm going to do it just before the next game to help Melbourne supporters feel connected because they're just in their living rooms. And it really has grown legs, guys. It's, it's been unreal. I've had someone propose uh, on the show. I've had all my mates, Alan Jakovic. I mean, how good is that? Yeah. Uh, and I'll just keep doing more. Fantastic. You can, yeah, plan to continue going? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do more. You know, like I said, Rod Grinton gets them into this WhatsApp group. We've got like 160 past players in there. Yeah. And they're not all, you know, media savvy and they don't necessarily want to do it. And that's 
you know, I rang Travis Johnson. And the first thing he said to me was F off Robbo. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for being number one pick, I guess. You get to say that, don't you? <laughs> well, he knew what I was ringing about, and I laughed my head off. Oh, that's good. No worries, mate. <laughs> what, what do you think when Travis Johnson was rocking the huge, uh, the lion mane beard? <laughs> yeah, Trav. Oh, look, he's a year in it, and he go, walks to the beat of his own drum, and it's, it's great. You know, I wish I had a little bit more of that. I mean, I think you probably think that I do, but I don't. Um, I typically follow others, but um, um, Travis doesn't care what anybody thinks, um, and he's just look, he's he's well loved by everybody. Um, we all have our own temperaments, you know, and 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 our own characteristics, our own character, and we bring that to our football game. You know, mm. Travis had a very they called him the Rolls Royce, you know, very laconic, very laid back. It wasn't too serious vibe, and that's the approach he takes to everything in life. Um, you know, me. I was desperate, you know, and I'm saying I'm a desperate person, but I was desperate in football to get the ball. And why did I do that? Well, yes, because I like to show people the extremes of what the human body can do, what I can do. And I used to put myself in the most, you know, a bit of a contortionist in a marketing contest just to try to show you. The, we basically was just trying to get the ball so I could kick a goal because I knew if I kicked a goal, then I'd sort of have value for the team. You know, David Neitz was just powerful, strong, powerful guy, but also a really nice guy. And I think that's fine too in his football. Adam Uze was um, in life. He's just the best bloke. Everybody loves him. Very, very astute with football. Couldn't run out of sight in a dark night. Worst long distance runner you've ever met. Ridiculously <laughs> bad, but knew where to run to get the ball on the field and would get 30 plus possessions and someone who could run all day like Simon Godfrey, probably struggled with that and so needed to tag somebody so he could get near the ball. And that's what he did, you know. So Adam Uzo was a freak like that. And he, 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 he sort of, um, I don't know if it chimed to in his football, but he certainly, uh, he had that uh, the, the ethnic skill, didn't he? <laughs> he was unbelievable. So, yeah, look. Loving every minute catching up with my old teammates at the moment. No, that's awesome, and we've had we've had a few of them on on here in the past players, and it's yeah, it's I think it's been really um, I know conversations we've had. They just really enjoy the reflection side of things, and I think we spoke to um, Jack Trengove a little while ago, and he just at the end he said, I, "I really enjoyed that because he goes, I don't reflect often enough, and it was one of those things that was really nice, even though his time." You know, there's a, a fair bit, fair bit to to his time at the at the club, and it was in a bit of turmoil at that point. It's a really interesting story, but I think the fact that, and we talked to Chell the weekend before the grand final, and he was talking about the WhatsApp group and just amazing about how it's grown and just the photos that have been coming up and the stories that have just been coming. And I think the connectedness connectedness to this club that is now spreading further, far and wide because probably more of the situation that we're in at the moment is just, yeah, it's an incredible part to, as a supporter to sort of see it. But I think it's a really, it's been a really nice story that's emerged as well too, to see that past players group really grow and, and be a, a massive part of of the game, which unfortunately wasn't held in, in, in the state that we'd love it to be. But as you mentioned, you don't hear about it too much with other clubs. So I'm, I'm sure it'd be something that uh, they might be uh, certainly listening to and, and taking note. Mm. Yeah, look, uh, you know, I think um, with Jack Trengove especially, it sort of um, shows, it shines through with him. Just a really terrific guy. And I said to, to Jimmy Plunkett today, if you're a crap bloke, 
you don't last football bloke jobs. You know, you just don't. You don't make, and and that's the truth of it. Um, and I, what do I mean by crap? Like, well, that's, you know, it's hard to explain. You know, you have to be giving, you have to be understanding, um, you have to be talented, of course, to make it to the AFL. Um, there has to be a skill element there. Um, but you have to be able to work well with others. And I ring Jack, Jack Pringo on um, the week of the grand final and uh, want to get him on the show. He's like, yeah, for sure, I'd love to. And sure, we got that with you. And then he said, I'll even do it from the ground, you know, while I'm there. And I'm like, yeah, you're rubbing it in that you're actually going to be a... <laughs> No, no, I never played with Jack, but we have this common... Um, you know, thing amongst us and we're also giving because of it. And it's the great thing about being a past player is that we're all equal. doesn't matter if you're Gary Lyon, Ron Barassi, or if you're, you know, Matthew Bishop who played a couple of games for us, <laughs> or, or you're Peter Walsh or you're Daniel Ward. We're all equal. And it's funny, you know, once you finish football, whether you're a good bloke in football and can play, obviously there's a real big element of being able to play. And as long as you're a good bloke, you'll be okay. But once you finish, the good bloke's got to be right up here. Around the <laughs> um, we've got some terrific fellas that, uh, you know, I just love some of my best mates. You know, obviously Adam Muzay, Shane Wadwood's in Perth, who was best man at my wedding. But um, I've grown really close to Nathan Brown, Daniel Ward over the, uh, the last three or four years. And it's just a blessing in my life to have those guys as uh almost my best friend uh, it's amazing it's it's just yeah incredible to the communities that footy clubs can really have and and yeah the friendships and and bonds that are forged are just yeah one of those things that are going to stand the test of time but thinking of past players and it's it's probably one of those footy stories well melbourne stories it, it's probably been a little bit um overshadowed by the premiership but nathan jones is is one of those players that obviously came into the club when you were still there and an incredible career, a servant to the club and, you know, the second player for the club to play 300 games. But can you just give us a bit of an insight? He got to the, got to the club when you were still there. What was, what was your first impression of him and, and what's your relationship been like with him, I suppose, throughout his career as well? So Jonesy, when he came to the club, just with our first impressions was a bundle of energy, just a ball of a cannonball of energy. Um, and Adam Uze, uh, coined the term chunk. I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, he, he and I were both very similar in our body makeup. We're both quite stocky. Um, he played in the middle, couldn't jump, but could kick a long way. Um, I couldn't play in the middle to save my life. Um, he um, he was a terrific servant, but Captain Grumpy as well. You know, he was never happy, and that was probably what made him so successful you know that his drive was to improve and to take this club somewhere and you know um that's why the players love him so much it's it's definitely not because he's the happiest guy going around it's because they understood his dedication and drive to to make the red and blue better and um to make them better um as a result so he led by example uh, by throwing his head over the ball. He led by example with his training. He led by example by, um, you know, continually showing up. Um, but it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Mm. Didn't get to play in this game. And he will. Hey, I can tell you he, he's hurting. You know, yeah. I hurt. I'm how many years retired? It hurts me to not be out on that ground. It's a funny hurt. It's not like, oh, 
guy, you know, script. Not like that at all. It's like I love those vibes. Greatest moment of my life almost. But it also is this tinge of, oh, geez, you know, I wish I was out there for that. That was, but, you know, time is everything. And, and for Jonesy, he missed out by a bee's, you know, dick. So, <laughs> and it's, and it's going to hurt him for the rest of his life. But it's just going to hurt. Um, it will get less and less. And if it doesn't hurt him, he will tell you it hurts. If it doesn't yeah. hurt him, it wouldn't mean anything. It means everything to him to be out there with those guys that he almost he almost sculpted. You know, he's almost the the artist um, that put it together and not the only one. But I felt that. I felt when I watched the grand final, I felt like Jonesy created you guys um, in, an effect, in, a, in a small way. Yeah. You know, he almost put you all together. And it's just such a shame that he just got a bit too old in it. Yeah, it really, it really was. Even not to see him, you know, there on the ground afterwards, even though it's, it's not a sight that we were used to seeing, but obviously throughout this year, being in and out of the side and, and towards the end of last year as well too. But I suppose for him not to be present, I suppose, at the ground at all, it was yeah, a, a bit of a strange sight given that, you know, played since 300 this year. Um, but I just hope that, yeah, that there still comes a point in time and, and I'm hoping that maybe that's when they hopefully have a bit of a club celebration at the G and where, you know, it's something that we're all hanging on to, to to go and watch the replay at the G and it would be awesome, you know, some sort of commemoration to Jonesy because as amazing as a premiership is, you don't want a career like that and a, a, an achievement like his career has been to, you'd hate for it to get, yeah, just kind of pushed aside a bit. Well, I mean, you know, there's like I said, this, it's a tragedy. But this is Jonesy's thing. This is the thing he'll carry through his life, and we can't. You know, we 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 think back to Jimmy Stein's running across the mark, and that was something that he had to carry, and we had to stop talking about it because there was a couple of goals that were sh- should have been kicked merely seconds before that. You know, Rod Grinter tripped someone, tripped up, um, uh, what's his name, Buckanara, and and. You know, that's part of it as well. We need to drop these things and just get on with it now. You know, Robbie didn't get to play in the grand final and he's arguably the greatest player Melbourne ever had. Um, and he's no longer here. That's a tragedy. Neil Danaher should have been handing the cup over. Wouldn't that have been an amazing thing? Yeah. At the MCG, and I would have thought that he probably would have, or Ron Barassi. But those guys can't go over there, can they, because of, of COVID. That's a tragedy. Mm. People are dying around the world because of COVID. That's a tragedy. So we, we each need to you know, um, look at it for what it is, accept it and go, you know, what an amazing time for a Melbourne football club. I'm going to love that. And when I see Jonesy, I'm just going to tell him how great he was. Yeah. You, know, you really were uh, a soldier for us and we love you. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And well, you know, not being able to be there makes us think, you know, how good would it be to be there? And yeah. I suppose, you know, leads to our next question is, you know, do you envision us actually be, or do you think we can be there next year? And do you reckon we can sustain the success um, for a long period of time so we can actually see it in the flesh? Like, I feel, you know, like oh, I'm a diehard supporter. I've, you know, worn my heart on my mm-hmm. sleeve. I've copped it um, growing up consistently. Like, oh, why do you go for them? Why do you go for them? You know, <laughs> this is exactly why, exactly why you wait for these moments and you stick by them and you, it, it just makes it that much more sweeter. Mm. Um, but you know, like I feel like it's hard. It's still half done because I just want to see it. I want to see it in the flesh, and you can imagine how good that would be. Yes, and look, yeah. To answer your question, I believe that we'll be there in about. They are impossible to win, and Nathan, not impossible. They are really hard to win, and and 
um, Simon Goodwin, I think, put it really well. I think it was a press conference, conference not um, long after the victory. He said, look, they're hard to win. We're going to have to be exceptional to win it again. Um, they need to just get back uh, to training and be exceptional again. Reset, reload, but use only one thing. And I think they will use the, the knowledge now that they know that they can do it. They know that there's no moz, there's no curse, there's no, there's none of that ever existed. But we really know now that it doesn't exist, that we have the talent here, and all we need to do is harness this. All we need to do is use Choco Williams, Adam Luze, Simon Goodwin, the club setup that we have, this amazing supporter group. All we need to do is lean on those a little bit. Keep getting in players, Dunstan comes in. We keep finding other guys because we're a destination club now. It will be so much easier to set our club up. It will be so much easier now to, to um, achieve those 100% performances that you need to have week in, week out to win this. But that's only physically. Um, you know, mentally, they need to roll up every week, next week, next year, do it again. Start round one. Move in around two, kick off round three, get all the way through, throw some momentum towards the end, and hopefully we can. Uh, but yeah, look, that's a long-winded uh, course. <laughs> yes, we can win two or three out of the next three or four years. Yeah. I, I think so. I think the culture's there. We've, we've obviously spent a lot of time building this culture, and you, you talked about before about the, the love that the players have for each other. And I was thinking, you know, we talk about COVID and how much of a tragedy it is, but the hubs last year i think probably played a bit of a you know it's a bit of a silver lining i think the amount of time that they got to spend with each other and you know they've got no one else to hang out with but themselves mm-hmm. um it's where you see those relationships really kind of um strengthened and bond and yeah it's it's just amazing to see the celebrations out there for a, a smother or or just a hard chase and just little moments like that and seeing the emotion that all these boys have for each other selfless you know all these things that have been brought up it's been a common theme widely spoken about all year it, we see it came to a fruition and it's and it really yeah really delivered and hopefully that they they know what it feel that what, what that feeling is like now they don't want to they want to experience it again you know you don't want to now that they know what that feeling is they'd be itching to get back I, I bet and yeah i think that we're definitely set up from a list and a talent point of view to do that for uh, well at least be in and around the mark uh, for mm-hmm. the next few years for sure do you know what they need to do they need to um and I don't like to. This is, this, I'm trying to be funny here, people. So don't, <laughs> don't attack me. For this. But Hayden Burbank, who's sitting in a jail cell at the moment, over in jail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what they need to do is let him go, but tell him you have to serve one month uh, jail term in September next year. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go if it's at the MCG. Yeah. That would be funny. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, well, Simo was just saying tonight, I hadn't seen the news about how long the sentence had been given. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, um, I think it's uh, Greeny just wrote on the app um, something like uh, seven months, uh, but five of it suspended or something. So I think that he, he will come home pretty soon. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Uh... I know. We're trying to say, what would you rather? Is it isn't you know? Is it worth the jail time to be there? We sort of Probably just discuss it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the did, two months. Do you ever plan a, a sort of a cheeky way to get over there, or do you ever thought of the what yeah. if? Uh, 
Okay. Look, I, do you know what? I thought it would be incredibly insulting to, to someone like you her, and to somebody that's, you know, been through the, the, the crap over the last 30, 40, 50 years to not be a Melbourne supporter all my life, um, to have, have experienced the joy of playing in that dumper and the success that we had. I mean, we played a lot of finals as well and in the grand final. And, and you know, it's, for me, it was like, oh, wholeheartedly, my sentiment was our supporters are missing out and it is tragic. And I use the word tragic, um, you know, loosely. Yes, it's not a real tragedy, but it is just so awful for our supporters who deserve to be crying and hugging at the MCD, our home ground. You know, it feels like, it really does feel like the world has righted itself a little bit, you know, just a little bit. And I'm, you're not a Melbourne supporter. You've got, to, you've got to agree with me with this one. I mean, we invented the game. It's our game that we created. We handed it off. For everyone else to join in, and you know, we we wrote the rules with the best colours. Um, you know, we we've got the history, we've got these iconic people that have played for our club, and Norm Smiths, the Ron Barathes. You know, it, it just it feels like the world is the AFL world is okay again, and now all they need the AFL is the Gold Coast to win a Premiership. <laughs> Uh, we won't keep you too much longer. We've got a quick quiz uh, to finish up our chat, mate. So it's, uh, we've got five, uh, five in a flash. So it's five quick questions, and it's got to be the first thing that comes to your mind from there. Okay. All right. Well, Simo, I'll let you start it off. All righty, mate. Uh, favorite skill tester challenge? Skill tester challenge? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, if I go to a, like a carnival, you mean? Like one of those things? Oh, or... no. When you did the DTV <laughs> and the skill testers. <laughs> The D team. Oh, the skill tester challenge. <laughs> oh, oh, gotcha. um, <laughs> oh, God, i got to remember back. The best one was when I took on Jack Watts with uh, basketball. Um, his his one was to beat me in a free throw, three-point and half quarter. And, you know, he's a gun. Like, he was yeah. a gun basketballer. I know it's supposed to be one-word answer. He, um, he was better. Did you hear this on my podcast? I told the story about how who was playing Australian juniors under 16s or whatever, and Matty Delavadova was the bench uh, point guard. He was the starting point guard or guard yeah, at the time while Del was on the bench. So that's how good Jack Watts was. So I'm thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna beat Watts here. We both missed the free throw. He never missed his threes. He missed his three. I missed mine, and then we went to the half court, and I drained my <laughs> typical Robo fashion. Gets the bullshit goal. <laughs> I, I made the ridiculous easy, the easy ridiculously bad. So, I, <laughs> and I beat him. That was my favorite. Ah, good as. Um, what's your go-to cover to sing when you're performing? Oh, I love singing. Um, you know, it's it's always good to sing April Sun in Cuba or anything Australian, anything Aussie. You beauty Eagle Rock. If you play Eagle Rock, it doesn't matter how old you are. You come running from all corners. <laughs> and just start pumping so good old uh, Eagle Rock can Eagle you do Rock. the dance moves for the Eagle Rock as well oh, oh this one you know <laughs> yeah. not like, it's a funny story we went on the uh, Danaher Drive and I played um, Eagle Rock with um, I just played it on my, I was there doing the one night's entertainment for the, uh, for the for the crew that were on the road <laughs> and in Perth I don't know what it is you, you've got to drop your strides when Eagle Rock comes on <laughs> 
It's the truth. It's the honest truth. In, in Perth, blokes drop their stride. <laughs> <laughs> and a very embarrassing moment for one bloke when he drops his strides. He might have forgotten that he'd... Uh, anyway, I won't go into that. Eagle <laughs> <laughs> Rock. Oh, that's good. Love it. Great one. All right. Um, most memorable mark? I'm, look, I'm going to have to say um, the mark that I took against the, the Sydney Swans, it was a very simple mark, but it's not about... Um, it's not about how high you get. It's about the moment. And look, I took a hanger in a grand final um, on James Hurd. That was nice. But but there was one against Sydney Swan very early days. I'm talking 99 or something like that. Um, Jared Bennett, who I'd played uh, football in Tasmania with, he was the gun. He was the best player in Tasmania. He was going to be anything. Anyway, um, I've taken this hanger on him in the last quarter when they had this massive comeback um, and the roar from the crowd, guys, oh, I still remember it to this day. It was just a mini hanger. But I've got up, you know, I've kicked the last three or four goals of the game and I'd had a stinker for the second and third quarters. I had a decent first quarter. And I'm running around like an absolute idiot. Go and Google this. It's Is on- that with about five minutes ago? Is it for about five minutes yeah, ago on the fourth? Yeah, yeah I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ridiculous celebration after it was a kid who yeah. did not know what was going on. Phenomenal, <laughs> sixty thousand people, DJ or fifty thousand, just going off their nuts, and I'm running around like, "How good's this?" Uh, it was a wonderful moment. <laughs> uh, what was the funniest thing that ever happened at the club when you were there? Uh, funniest thing? There is so many great moments. <laughs> first, first thing, mate. First thing that pops into your mind. Oh, I can't. The first things that pop into my mind. I can't. Okay, so <laughs> what was funny to witness was, okay, to set the story, Daniel Ward comes from the West, right? He's west of uh, Melbourne, Western Jets, hard-nosed, redhead, angry, always yeah. angry. <laughs> F and C are his favourite words, you know, just <laughs> real hard nut. Cameron Bruce is the Ducks of Melbourne High, you know, can run all day, very uh, eloquent, um, quite unassuming um, and drove uh, one of those little tiny little, we called it the blue baron. It was a tiny little blue car. Well, well, you know, Wardy's driving a Maloo or something like that, you know? Um, so it was two bikes from different sides of the tracks. And one preseason, we all had to do, uh, we were doing boxing and we had to spar. And so there was grudge matches. Like everyone, uh, was pinned, uh, pitted against somebody else. So I had to fight Adam those day because we looked the same and, you know, similar. And everyone wanted to see us beat the crap out of each other. And we're talking full-on headgear, beat the shit out of each other. Um, Cameron Bruce and Daniel Ward were pitted against each other. And we're just thinking, this is going to be a whitewash. Wardy is going to destroy this skinny kid from Bo, Bo Morris. Uh, but it was it was uh, not like that at all. Um Wardy's eyes just kept rolling in the back of his head, going for the big haymakers, trying to get the knockout punch. Well, well, Cameron Bruce just kept him at arm's length with a jab and just beat crap out of Wardy. It's a point where Wardy had to sit down. And then there was another one. Jared Rivers fought big, the big Russian Mark Jamar. And they're going all right for a while. Big Mark Jamar's coming with this big roundhouse clock to the head. And Rivers has done the stumble, stumble, stumble. <laughs> so knocked him out. Oh. Oh man! And we're laughing 
because guys are getting knocked out. Our teammates are getting knocked out. And that's just terrible, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you look, at it, you look at it now. Look at the, well, which was it a Hawthorne player that got punched during yeah. training or something? And now it's the yeah. Yeah. end. Yeah. And do it. Yeah. There's lots more. <laughs> Last one. Uh, favorite current D's player? Oh, easily, look, Jackson. I, I just love him. I think uh, every time he gets the ball, I'm like, oh, the kid's good. You know, he just takes nice marks. Um, I don't know what it is. He's he's a bit junkyard doggy, isn't he? He sort of um, he gets the job done. Um, doesn't care how he looks. Uh, but but it's just solid every time. There's a lot to like about our players. You could pick anyone out of those guys, and and I could easily pick a few more. But he's um, so sure in the air. And predictable for crummers. If he doesn't mark it, it's going right there. But then his follow-up is unbelievable. It's like he hits the ground and then he goes again, and that's his basketball back coming in. So big Luke Jack, my favourite. Lovely. And wait, well, uh, sorry to tack on this, but when he did get drafted, did you have you you're like, oh, why are we picking up a Grackman with pick three when we when we've already got Maxi? Did you think? Hmm. No, I didn't because I you know there's there's always been this worry that Maxi's going to fall over. We've got this weapon, you know, um, a, a, the tallest player Melbourne's ever had. He did his knees early and hasn't done them again. That's good, you know. He, uh, he doesn't do that again. But um, there's always this worry that he might fall over and we need to have somebody that can fill that role. We haven't found that by for a long time. You know, Mark Tamer, Mark Tamer handed off to Max. Jeff White handed off to Mark Jamer. You know, we're sort of waiting for that next thing to happen. And I think we found it now. So I know he's short of a, a length and we could find another tall guy. I mean, tall guys, they're there. We can get one. But this guy, is, is, um, he's a bit Jeff White-like, isn't he? He's got a follow-up. He's, he's elite. That's the best thing about him. He'll tap the ball and follow up and get in his hands because he's got the ability to pick the ball up one touch. So... Um, yeah, I wasn't too worried when we got him. I knew it was going to happen soon, and we'll probably be looking for another one soon as well. Nah, definitely, definitely. I think he's an uh, absolute weapon. He's uh, yeah, got lots of assets to his game, and yeah, looking forward to seeing him stick around the red and blue for a long time. So we'll keep those uh, Western Australians well away from him, I think. Okay. Uh, don't give him any temptation to head home. So, well, Robbo, we really appreciate your time, mate. It's been great to chat with you about our glory and your glory days and looking forward to seeing more Robbo lives and, and no doubt having a chat in the future. I'm looking forward to all of us uh, catching up at a ground somewhere, hopefully the MCG. In a month or two's time, when we can, I can get in my uh, MSC polo and stand up in their official capacity and welcome them all onto the stage, like I've done for the last ten to twelve years, where it didn't matter. I introduced them all on the family day, you know, when we're on the bottom of the ladder. Now we're on the top of the ladder. It's Robbo's time. <laughs> name the places they come in. I can't wait to see all the amazing Melbourne supporters faces. You'll all be there, and you'll all be. I reckon. If we do catch up in about three or four weeks or five weeks or six weeks or whatever the club allows, I reckon there'll still be tears from our supporters. Oh, definitely. To see them in the flesh will be phenomenal. Good on you guys. All right, mate. Much appreciated. Go, (laughs) Dees.